Wow, what a buzz in the room. It is so good to have so many people here. I know we've got a lot of visitors from around the world. I've met a few from San Francisco over here and I'm sure there are, oh yeah, I'm sure there's many in the room. And guys, welcome to our family. Um, you've come in a good, good week. We are in a series, sermon series on miracles. Um, and we're really hungry for miracles. We are really hungry to see miracles and for this to not just be a theory. Obviously, we're looking um, at Scripture. We, we've been planning ourselves in Matthew 8 and 9. But I just want to start off by saying, will you join me in this hunger that I have to see God's power break in? Not just this morning, but just like, I'm not satisfied. So I just thought I'd start with praying that for us. And I just want to encourage you, whether this is your first time here, whether you're new to faith, whether you're from somewhere around the world and you're just dropping in, I believe the Lord wants to meet us all in power today because that's who He is. That's what He does. So why don't we just ready our hearts for that? And if you've come with a need, might be a physical need for healing, it might be just a situation or a pain that you're carrying in your heart, why don't you bring that before Jesus now? So King Jesus... We thank you that you're here by your spirit. We are here for you, Lord, just like the crowds who gathered around you, knowing there was something different about this man. He carried power. His words carried life, but he was releasing power and the kingdom was breaking in. Lord, we come with needs of our own. We come needing hope. We come needing healing. We come needing freedom. So we each in our hearts just lift before you the thing that we're coming with today. And we ask that King Jesus, you would meet us in power, that you would break in. You would do all that you want to do today in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Great. It's always good to start with prayer. We're, we're going to finish with prayer as well. But just to go on with, with this introduction, we are um, in this series on miracles. If you've been around over the past few weeks, we've looked at God being a healer, that he is always willing to heal. We've looked at, looked at the relationship of miracles to holiness and being set apart. Last week, we heard about the power of the Word of God releasing miracles. And today, we are going to focus on on authority. So if we can get that slide up, this very um, technical slide here that I've made. Um, and, and how authority, look, I'm just, I'm just saying, guys, I've got seven slides. Slides are not my sweet spot, is, is Pete's sweet spot, but I'm doing my best and it is enough. It is enough for the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so this is where we're going to go today, and I want to go super fast with this teaching, not because I don't think it's good teaching, but because I just want to practice what we're teaching, okay? I want to create this space. So we're going to talk about what do we mean by authority as followers of Jesus. We're going to look um, in Scripture at the story of Jesus' short interaction with a Roman centurion, so that'll be fun. We're going to look at how we can both operate and grow in our God-given authority that we already have, and then I want to create space to ask the Lord to come and do some stuff. So are we ready for this? Let's go. <laughs> I love this. Um, 
Okay, exousia is the word that we see throughout Scripture referring to authority. We also see, so this is a word for power. We also see the word dunamis a lot, so all throughout the New Testament. Exousia is a little bit different to dunamis because it doesn't just refer to power. It refers to the right to use power or even also the right use of power. I'm just going to go through some quick definitions for Christian authority. Charles Craft, in his book, I Give You Authority, go check it out, says, It's the God-given right to receive and use God's power that flows from the indwelling Holy Spirit. And then Jordan Seng, in his book, Miracle Work, says, It is our right to wield the power of the Lord. I don't know about you, but when I hear the word wield... I always think of a lightsaber, not a sword, but a... Maybe that's prophetic for someone in the room. Um, So authority is not just a position that we hold. It's understanding and using the power of that position. Do you know that business gurus say that when CEOs of companies fail, it's mostly because they didn't use the authority that they had? And the CEOs will say, oh, no, no, but I just I didn't have the authority to make that change. And the pushback from the boards is usually, actually, you had all the authority. You just didn't use your authority to make that change. And as Christians, we can actually be a bit the same. We know we've got this position of authority, or if we've, if we've read the scripture, we know that the Lord gives us authority to bring his kingdom in power, but often we don't actually act upon or exercise the authority that we already have. For those of us who have faith in Jesus, um, hope this is not new to you, but you have the privileged position of being sons and daughters of God. And because of what he's done on the cross, we get given his name and his position. That is wild. We inherit the same standing and authority of Jesus, and he gives his Holy Spirit to empower us, power us, which is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in us, if you've received the spirit. He has commissioned us with power to make disciples, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons, to do all that Jesus did and even more in his name. If you don't believe me, go and look in the Gospels. I'm not going to go through all the references today. We are commissioned, guys, to push back the kingdom of darkness, to usher in the kingdom of light, to say and proclaim there is a new king in town. This is what he looks like, sounds like, smells like. This is the power that he has. But we can often act more like a policeman or a policewoman who has a police badge in the back pocket but never actually uses it to arrest anyone. We actually have a a position of authority, but we're not using our power to execute that authority. My prayer for us today is that we are filled with faith, that we realise and open our eyes to this authority that we have, that we could step out in, in that. I just want to say as a quick flag, it's important to remember that we live in the context of the now and the not yet. Has anyone heard of that phrase before? The now and the not yet. That means 
that we believe that Jesus breaks in in power in the here and now, but we're not going to see the fulfillment of all that he's going to do until he returns again in power. So we're still in this reality of darkness and suffering and pain, even that we experience. But it's a bit like between V-Day and D-Day in the Second World War. V-Day marks the day that's like the war is actually won. The war is over. We know who's won. But there's this middle period before it's all wrapped up where it is still contested. And we get to, in our authority, it's like going into occupied what used to be enemy territory, and Satan really likes this territory, by the way, enemy territory should go, actually, Jesus has won. We are, we are here to proclaim his victory, both in word and in deed, and in seeing signs and wonders and miracles as part of that. Are you with me? Okay, good. Let's look at the centurion real quick. Centurion is a Roman soldier. And I'm reading from Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 to 13. It should come up on the screen. Sorry, it's a little bit small. It says, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Then Jesus said to the centurion, I'm just jumping to 13, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. So what really stands out to me about this interaction with the centurion and what we can learn from this guy is firstly, he saw Jesus for who he was. And secondly, he understood authority. So let's just delve into seeing Jesus for who he is just for a moment. So this man, he got it, didn't he? Even more than Jesus' disciples who had been with him for years, for months, if not years. He got who Jesus was. He knew that he was in the presence of one with such great power and who was so high above that he didn't even deserve to have him come under his roof. He knew that Jesus was in charge, that he had both the right and the power to expel all sickness and darkness. And I just want to ask us this morning, how much do we really see Jesus for who he is? That he is on the throne, that he has risen from the grave. We hear all these things, but perhaps our hesitation is stepping out in our authority is that we've actually lost sight of the reality of Jesus' rule and reign, not just in the future, but right now. He is reigning right now. Now, do we really get that this is who we've been singing to this morning? He is the King of kings. He is the King of the world. He is above everything that is going on in this world right now. In Colossians 1, it says this. I'm just going to, I'm short on time. I'm going to read it out because I just think it's like a slap across the face and a wake-up call. This is what it says in Colossians. He's the Son. Jesus is the Son, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in Him all 
things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him things All things hold together and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross." That is our Jesus. That is Jesus. That is Jesus who is in the room right now. And all authority and power belong to him. He has, he is in power. He is in power right now. He's crushed Satan under his feet. Do you know um, the biggest spiritual stronghold over London right now? It's Jesus and the kingdom of heaven. It is Jesus and the kingdom of heaven. It is. But it is. And yes, we get told in Scripture, it's right, there are strongholds and principalities that set set themselves up opposing Jesus. But Jesus can crush that thing under his feet. He is ruling and reigning now above those things. He is so much more powerful. He has won. He is winning. He is on the throne. Amen. The second thing that this centurion... um, did was he understood authority. And so as a soldier in the Roman army, not sure if we have any army people in here. Give a holler. No. (laughs) Crickets. Um, But if you have been in an army or in military of some kind, I'm sure you very much understand authority and chain of command and what it is to be in authority over others and be under authority yourself. So if a word is given by the one in command, it must be carried out. That's how authority works. And he also understood the boundaries for exercising authority and that someone could use the power that is delegated to them as long as he was executing the will of the one that commanded it. And because he understands this, he has full confidence that what Jesus said will be done. He says, say the word and my servant will be healed. Do we have that understanding? That if God has given us a command that he has released to us all power and authority to carry this out. So we're going to look at quickly now, I keep saying quickly, we're going to walk through how do we both exercise and grow in this God-given authority. So our model for operating in, in authority is Jesus. And these are the three things that we see with Jesus. It's his intimacy with God, it's his obedience, and he operates in love, always. So intimacy with God, this is the beginning place for our authority. Jesus received his power from the Holy Spirit and his authority from maintaining intimacy with the Father. When he gave his followers the Holy Spirit, which is the source of his power, he then advised them to keep close to him. He said, remain in me and I will remain in you. You see that in John 15. And we are not going to get far in operating in authority if we are not in close relationship with Jesus. I'll say this again. It's not good to try to operate in authority without being in close relationship with Jesus 
Because he said, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21, that it's actually possible to operate in power and with miracles, but without actually knowing God. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. This is key, guys. Another example is in Acts 19, we've got the seven sons of Sceva. It's a fun, Sceva, I don't know how to say it. It's a fun little, um, little story. They basically saw the disciples casting out demons in Jesus' name and thought they would try the same. Um, and then basically the demons turned around and beat them up. And, and then they said, do you know what? I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who the heck are you? And that's when they got beaten up by the demons. <laughs> fun. So the demons... The demons knew this, that we don't actually have authority. We don't have a solid foundation. It's not, the name of Jesus is not a magic word. We're not at Hogwarts. This isn't like spells. This isn't like a formula for miracles. But our authority comes from our relationship with the one who empowers the words. His name carries power because we believe and trust and know him. We come under his name. And Jesus constantly prioritized getting away with his father to listen to his voice and to commune with him. He said, I only do what I see the father doing. That's how he recognized his father's voice and his father's activity was spending time with his father. And this is an invitation for us. It's essential that we spend time with Jesus. We ask the Holy Spirit to come and meet with us, to speak to us about our identity, to speak to us about what's true so we can recognize truth and lies. We can recognize the movement of the spirit. We need to know what his voice sounds like. We need to get away with him. The second one, obedience. Obedience is really key. It is like the key way that we grow in our authority is stepping out in obedience to exercise it. So out of that intimate relationship of hearing and seeing what the Father wants to do, we obey. We say, okay, Lord, that's what you want to do. I'm going to step out. I'm going to take you at your word and do what you've asked. It's a submission of our will to the will of the one who gives that command. Obedience means, guys, that it's not about us or our agenda or what we think God should do. It's not about us naming and claiming things. It's not about us making a plan and hoping that God will bless it. It's about following after the Spirit, saying, Lord, I submit my ideas to you. What do you want to do? What are you doing, Holy Spirit? I want to partner with you. I'm ready to go and partner with you, Lord. And so then when we obey and we step out in faith, the results are not up to us. Again, it's not about us. It's not about our reputation. It's not about, oh, the cool miracles that have you know, spread around the church and I did them. It's all about him. The results are up to him. So whether we see the healing or the breakthrough or not, it's all about him. We just be obedient. The results are not up to us. It's not on us. It's on him. 
And just like we learn from the centurion, obedience means action, taking God at his word in whatever way that looks like. That Today, that might look like coming forward for prayer. It might look like daring to pray for someone else to release healing. It might look like, guys, just trusting Trusting that God's a healer, even when we haven't seen the healing, choosing to trust again, choosing to believe again in the midst of our disappointment. And that might be stepping out again. Um, obedience, as I said, is the primary way that we grow in our authority. I remember one of um, the first times I, at my work on my old job in Melbourne, where I'm from, I decided I was an occupational therapist seeing a, um, a child. I'd go and visit him at his home and I would always have a chat to his mum at the door. And I could hear that the Holy Spirit, every time we had a chat, it would go something like this. Oh, Kath, I've just got this weird illness. The doctors can't work out what it is. I just feel terrible. I keep going back. I've got no hope. It's just terrible. And I would always be like, oh, that's awful. Let's call her Jane. That's awful, Jane. You know I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. And every time I heard the Holy Spirit go, pray for her now. Pray for her now. And I just was like, oh, ooh, no. And I would run away. Happened every week. I saw, And finally I was just like, oh, flip, today's the day. Okay, if she says this again, I've got to do it. It's what you're saying, Lord. I'm sorry for my disobedience. So she did it again. And I said, okay, um, Jane, like, you know I'm a Christian. I believe in God. Can I pray for you? And I think she was just like, oh, yes, that would be nice. But she didn't. Most Christians, non-Christians, don't believe in, think that you're going to just do it then and there. So you have to explain that. No, I, I'm just going to lay a hand on you and say something to God now for you. <laughs> so she just stared at me while I did that, stared at me on the front step while I said, Lord, could you heal Jane in Jesus' name? Just stared at me. I was like, oh, flip, this is just humiliating. And then, and then, but then she just burst into tears. She didn't get healed in that moment, guys. I don't, I don't know if she actually ever got healed from that. She burst into tears and just hugged me for a long time. I still don't know what was going on. What I do suspect is that she sensed God's love and his presence in that moment. And as I drove away, I just felt like God said, oh, well done, my girl. Like, that's all I asked you to do. And it's not about the results. It's not about... he. he he was affirming me for my obedience. And I think for many of us in the room, you might have situations like that. It might be a neighbour or a friend where you sense the Spirit go, just take this step now. This is what I want to speak. Maybe it's a prophetic word. Maybe it's an action. Maybe it's a you know act of generosity. But um, I just suspect that there are things that have come into your mind. So listen to the Lord. Let's see what he does as we step out. Um, oh... I want to keep going, but I just want to pray. Um, finally, love. God always wraps his power in his love. And we are always to demonstrate the character of Jesus in the way that we use his authority. When Jesus was asked to prove himself to the skeptics by giving a display of power or a miraculous sign, you'll see he always refused. But when he saw someone in need, he said again and again that he was moved with compassion and off the back of that compassion, miracles flowed. Miracles of healing and provision came off the back of his compassion. God wants his power to be used for the sake of the powerless, to show his heart to those who are hurting. Charles Craft, again in his book, says, If it's not loving, it's not Jesus' way, even if it's spectacular. 
going to say that again. If it's not loving, it's not Jesus' way, even if it's spectacular. I'm going to just finish um, with a story that I think just demonstrates these three things, the intimacy, the obedience, and the love. Um, Iona, I'm going to tell your story. You're okay with that? Um, If you want to jump up and correct me at any point, feel free. (laughs) This is a story that Iona, who's part of our community, has shared a couple of times. Um, She prayed for a lady in the airport. So the story goes, she was in the airport shopping in a a shop. The lady worked in the shop. Iona's very lovely and chatty, struck off a conversation. The lady's name was Harina. Um, And it turned out the Harina shared, oh, I've got a really sore back. I've got this chronic pain in my back. Um, And this is a really typical thing. I'm just picking you up, Iona. I want to honour you because I know that Iona has intimacy with the Lord and she is always looking for opportunities. She's always listening to his voice in her every day of like, not in a heavy, intense way, but just like, oh, Lord, what are you doing now? She always has her ear tuned. And in that moment, she sensed the Lord say, I want to pray for you. So she said, I'm a Christian. Can I pray for you? The lady was quite open. She um, was into the new age, was quite spiritual, was like, okay, yeah. Iona just um, laid a hand on her. And again, I think it was a very short prayer. Lord, um, could you heal her or be healed in Jesus' name? That was the end of the interaction. Goes off, catches her plane. Six months later, Iona's back in the airport and this lady rushes up to her going, Iona, Iona, you will never guess what happened. After you prayed, when I walked away, I felt this cold sensation come down my whole spine and I was completely healed in that moment. All the pain went away. And because she was quite spiritual, that really struck her. She went home to her dad and said, Dad, I think there's power in the name of Jesus and I want to investigate. She started to investigate Jesus. Long story short, um, I won't go into it, but her psychic had ended up becoming a Christian. Um, She had all of these things happen, but this encounter was bigger than this physical healing. It unlocked. She basically had come to faith and been baptised the week before. She's got an incredible testimony. Her name's Harina. But it was because of this obedience of Iona to do that that unlocked a greater story of salvation and of her coming into relationship with Jesus. Because that's always the point. It's not just for the power encounter. It's for people to come home to him. He's showing who he is. He's showing who he is by breaking in in this way. Um, and he heals our hearts, he heals relationships, he does so much. He's a holistic God. Hey guys, Sam here. Just wanted to jump in and let you know that Oh God Would You Move, KXC's latest single, has come out on all streaming platforms. We really believe that this is a song for the church at this moment, so we'd love to invite you to take a listen, share it around, and join us in this moment of worship.